In a moment, Jan and Len are going to come and read Isaiah 58. True fasting. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commandments of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in a quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? It is only for bowing one's head like a reed and not for lying on sackcloth and ashes. Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood, then your light will break forth like a dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always and will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. So if you turn now to page 684, which is Matthew 6, 1 to 18. And here we have the words of the Lord Jesus on a very similar theme. Firstly, on giving Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, 
you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, When you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will, re- will, will reward you. And prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And fasting. When you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Good morning. Let me add my welcome to Barb's. It's um, great to have everyone along who's visiting for the Prince and also if you're visiting, uh, just visiting us today as well. My name's Stephen. I'm um, the minister here. It was great to have a, um, a long weekend last weekend, wasn't it? To have Monday off. I'll tell you the truth, I, I really felt like I needed it. It's not that I'm complaining, but you know what it's like, the business of life, having so many nights away from home, leading so many Bible studies each week, writing sermons, meeting up with people. I'm sure you know what it's like. But it's not even really those things that wear me down. It's, it's um, all the other stuff I do each, each week. I find my two-hour quiet times really uplifting, but it's, it's the 4 a.m. starts that get really hard in winter especially after the, um, the prayer meetings, which most nights run through to 2am, except for Fridays, which run through to sunrise. <laughs> it's not even really those things that wear me out, though, in the end. It's, um, I, I love having people around for dinner um, every night of the week, especially when we visit the nursing home and the, the orphanage afterwards. It's just we often don't have enough food to give them because we're giving most of it away. So you can see why I really felt like I needed a long weekend, though we spent most of it visiting the sick. Now, before I got too silly, were you impressed? I'm, I'm being a bit mean to those who are visiting us today. 
you know, who don't know me, who are thinking, wow, this guy's really hardcore and really full of himself. <laughs> For all the regulars, they, you could hear them laughing as soon as I started speaking. I can't even get out of bed to make it to the men's Bible study at 6.45 in the morning. I, th- I think I've visited them once, and even then I think I was late. But before I got too silly, were you thinking, wow, how spiritual is Stephen? Look at everything he does. You shouldn't have been. You should have been disgusted. In Matthew 6, verse 1, as we heard, Jesus says, let's see if we can get it to work. Might have run out of batteries. I might have to just look over at you, Joel, when we need a new slide. He says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Jesus identifies something here that he considers to be a danger to disciples. It's something that comes from within us and it's something that threatens to corrupt our relationship with God. Jesus warns, don't do good stuff to be seen by people. Don't do righteous things for praise, admiration or respect from others. Do it for God. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't be a hypocrite. And in this next slide that you see up on the screen, you can see this. In verse 2, he says, when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do. And then verse 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. A hypocrite is someone who falsely appears a certain way. They're insincere. They're actors. And the solution that Jesus gives to hypocrisy, it's simple, but it's brilliant. Have a look at verse 3 up on the screen. Jesus says, When you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Or verse 6, When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Or verse 18, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Every time the solution that Jesus gives to hypocrisy is secrecy. It's a brilliant solution, isn't it? Because our Father sees what's done in secret and nobody else does. And it's impossible to be praised by other people for doing something if they have no idea that we've done it. In other words, the principle that Jesus gives us is this. Secrecy guards sincerity. Secrecy guards sincerity. Without an audience, I'm less likely to be an actor. And Jesus gives this warning because real righteousness, as those who've been at TNE the last few weeks have seen in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says real righteousness is about relationship relationship with our Father in heaven. And our relationship is damaged when we push God to the side for the sake of a a few cheap pats on the back from other people. I mean, think about how would Kathy, my wife, feel if I only um, only ever did nice things for her when I knew other people were watching, only spoke nicely to her when I had an audience, only ever washed up or, or helped around the house when other people were around or only ever gave her flowers so that other people could see me doing it and think how great I was. How would she feel? 
What would she think? She'd think I was a hypocrite. She'd feel hurt that I cared more about what other people thought of me than what she thought. She'd probably think our relationship was empty. But how do you think God feels when we pretend to be devoted to Him, but actually what we want really is to impress other people? Jesus gives us this warning because it's a real threat. We might not use trumpets or um, do things on street corners, but we have our ways of trying to impress other people, don't we? Let's have a look at the examples that Jesus gives and think about how his warning applies to us. The first example that Jesus gives us is about giving to the needy, and you can see it there in verse 2. Jesus says, So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the, on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Look at this description. It's an amazing, self-flattering, disgusting performance, complete with trumpets and an audience. It makes me think of the business world, where you try to get the most out of your investment in charity. You know, those, those giant checks have got to be the modern-day equivalent of, of sounding a trumpet, surely. But what the business world does, sadly, you sometimes see in churches too. Some church buildings you walk into have got plaques on just about everything. Have you ever noticed that? You know, this pew is from this person, this window is from that person, this table, this coffee cup, this toilet seat. It's just about that ridiculous in some of them. I went to a, a church in Sydney that was just absolutely plastered to them, uh, with them, um, except actually for one bit of furniture. There was one bit of furniture tucked away to the side that simply had written on it this, and I've got a photo of it actually. He knows my name. What a breath of fresh air that was in that building. What that person did, they did for their father and not for anyone else. That's true righteousness. And don't you reckon it's a beautiful thing? That plaque should be stuck to every good work we ever do. Those chairs need stacking. He knows my name. That person needs money. He knows my name. Now sometimes, of course, it's inevitable that people will see the good things that we do. And those actions, especially, we need to make sure that we attach to them this, this plaque in our minds. He knows my name. It's for him and not to impress others. Before we think about how we as individuals attempted to blow our own trumpets... I think there's another question that we need to ask ourselves first. And that question is, are we actually expressing our relationship with God? Did you notice in this passage, as Jesus speaks, there are only two options for sons and daughters of God. True righteousness or performance. There's, if you're a son or daughter of God, there's, there's not a third option called apathy. See, are we actually generous? It's incredibly easy to be secret about your righteousness if it doesn't exist, isn't it? But as we've seen over these last few weeks, those of us who are regulars, God is a generous God. He's given us everything we have. He's given us His Son, Jesus, to die in our place. And as we saw last week, God calls us to be like Him. 
Are we expressing our righteousness? In verse 3, Jesus tells us how to make sure we're sincere as we're generous. He says, but when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing so that your giving may be in secret. Jesus says to keep things a secret from ourselves even, if that were possible. In other words, we're to, we're to give without even impressing ourselves. You know how often giving is to make ourselves feel good and that sort of thing? That can't be the case for sons and daughters. We don't give to make ourselves feel good. We give to please our Father. True righteousness gives and, and forgets. Jesus' second example of how to practice righteousness is prayer. Have a look in verse 5. Jesus says, And when you, st- you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. The hypocrite prays to impress those who hear and not to communicate with God in heaven. What an insult. You know, the righteous desire to pray is because we want to talk to our Father in heaven because it pleases Him and because it's such a privilege. And Jesus says praying somewhere private means we won't be tempted to try and impress others. But if secrecy guards sincerity, you know, if this is true, then why do we still have people come and pray out the front of church? You know, maybe we shouldn't be doing that if we're going to follow what Jesus says here, right? Maybe we should stop public prayer and only have private prayer. Or maybe even better, what we could do is have a kind of wardrobe up the front here where we sort of smuggle someone in before church starts so that we don't know who it is. You know, it might be a little bit muffled as they pray, might be a little bit hot in there, someone could pass out, someone could even die. The awesome thing is they do it secretly though. I'm obviously being stupid because I want to show you that to apply the principle that Jesus gives us to everything is actually to miss the greater point. Secrecy doesn't equal righteousness because there's plenty you can do in, in secret that's not righteous. Jesus' point is that motives matter. And secrecy is a tool that, that helps me control my motive because it removes the desire to be seen. Obviously, there's still a place for public prayer. How can we be so sure of that? Well, look at verse 9. Jesus says we pray to our Father and we pray, give us this day our daily bread and lead us not into temptation. This is a public prayer that he's teaching them. But even though it's a public prayer that he's teaching them, Jesus isn't giving them a kind of special formula or a a liturgical prayer, a liturgical ritual to pray. See, that would be impersonal prayer. But in verse 7, Jesus actually criticizes impersonal prayer. He says, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Jesus says we don't need to twist God's arm like he's some dead, cruel, pagan God. A long, wordy prayer might impress us, but just because it's long doesn't mean it'll impress God. Jesus says we pray to our Father in heaven. We speak to a loving God, so we don't need to convince him to look after us. He already wants to. 
Do you see what this means for us? It means that the all-night prayer meeting is no more righteous than the sincere quick prayer before you go to sleep. It means that the eloquent, emotive prayer is no more righteous or effective than the bogan variety. It means that the prayer where all the Christians in in a city get together and, and, and pray is no more effective than when we pray separately, if we're sincere. The point is, God doesn't want us to communicate with Him through a formula, but with sincerity. Have you ever seen those, those books that teach you, know, teach you how to pray? Well, we don't really need them. Jesus is teaching us that when God is your Father, prayer is simple. It's with plain words, directed to a listening God. It's got nothing to do with length, eloquence or show. All prayer takes is knowing God as Father and being sincere. Jesus here is actually not teaching us a prayer. He's teaching us how we should always pray. This is the model for all prayer. And Jesus teaches us that prayer is about aligning what we want with what our Father wants. See, notice, I think we've got it up on the screen. Notice that we pray for God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will right up front. God's at, at the centre, Jesus says. God's at the centre of the universe. It's all about Him, His name, His kingdom, His will. And so when we pray, we align what we want with what He wants. Now, God very much cares for our needs, but our greatest need is to recognise who He is and to bring our lives into submission to Him. Jesus teaches us to be sons and daughters of God who desire that God's name would be hallowed, means kept holy, and not our own name. He teaches us to be sons and daughters who long for His kingdom to be built and not our own little kingdoms, who yield to His will rather than attempting to force God to yield to our own. I love um, that at our monthly prayer meetings at T&E, we always start with prayers of adoration. This is something that struck me when I, I first came to T&E. We, we always pray a prayer of adoration before we ask for our own personal requests or requests even for our church. It's exactly what Jesus teaches us here. When God is our Father... We align what we want with what He wants. Now, the reality is we fail at this and it's exactly why Jesus is teaching us that we need to do this here. And it's exactly why He teaches us in a couple of verses' time to pray every time we pray, forgive us our debts. But for a son or daughter of of God, this life is about constantly aligning and realigning what we want with what he wants. And today we're actually we're doing that in a way. We're aligning ourselves with what he wants. We're recommissioning Wim and Micah and Esther and Tobias. We're sending them back to a foreign land, away from their family, away from the comfort of Adelaide, away from Christian brothers and sisters that they love. We're sending them away from churches where they feel comfortable and at home away from the life that we enjoy here. In fact, we're sending them away to a land that may well not welcome them back. There's every chance they may be sent back to us 
if things change there. Why are we doing this? Well, it's because Wim and Micah and Esther and Tobias are aligning themselves with what God wants. They go not to build a name for themselves. They don't go to build their own kingdom or to do their own will. They're returning to Cambodia so that God's name might be hallowed, so that his kingdom might come and so that God's will might be done here on earth as Cambodians come to know God as their father. And we partner with them for exactly these reasons too. We align ourselves in wanting what God wants. Today, we're recommitting to pray for for the Prince and for Cambodia. And we're recommitting to support them financially in their ministry. Now, for those who are regulars at TNE, let me remind you, we don't, in our budget, give money to our missionaries that we're linked with. We want each person to to think through and, and prayerfully think through how they can realign their own finances with what God wants. We do it as individuals. Jesus teaches us to pray in a way that recognises that it's all about God. He's at the centre of all things. But then he directs us in the next bit to our own needs. See, God's at the centre of all things, but he's not a distant or cold father. He's a loving provider. And we're really going to see that next week when we look at the next bit in the Sermon on the Mount. I've never been tempted to pray out loud on a, on a corner in Rundle Street Mall or, or at Tea Tree Plaza. I don't know if you have. But if I think about it carefully and honestly, I've been tempted to be a hypocrite with prayer. You know, have you ever sat in a Bible study where you're all supposed to be praying and instead of listening and, and joining in with the current person praying, you, you're desperately trying to think of something that you can pray, getting annoyed at other people when they steal your prayer points, worried that when it's your turn, you're going to sound stupid? Well, Jesus is saying it's better to be sincerely stupid than insincerely spectacular in how you pray. Or when you say grace, when you have people over at your house for a meal, is it different to how you normally say grace? Why? Or have you ever had to um, pray or had the privilege of getting to pray out the front of church? And has your prayer become dominated by your anxiety of what people will think of you? You know, suddenly your prayers become a performance instead of leading people in talking to our loving Father. You pray long, you engage prayer mode and your voice changes. You pull out the intelligent vocab. Oh Lord, we beseech thee. You make sure you have just enough emotion. Lord, we just want to, yeah. We don't need any of that. Jesus tells us it doesn't matter. We don't need to care what people think of us. What matters is what God thinks of us. And God loves sincerity. Well, quickly, the final example Jesus gives is fasting. In verse 16, Jesus says, When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it won't be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father. The hypocrites, they find a way even to show that they're fasting. They put on a gloomy face. 
They skip the, the daily moisturizing routine. They want people to see how miserable they are for God. Now, we don't really do a lot of fasting these days, which is why it's even more important that if we do choose to fast, we don't make a show of it. If you want to impress misguided Christians, then just tell them you're fasting. But if you want to please God, then do it in secret. But I reckon there are modern ways that we can put on a gloomy face to get attention from each other rather than God. You know, sometimes you hear people say they're so busy or they're so tired because of all the kind of ministry church things that they're doing. Is it possible that we're showing our tiredness and our busyness so that we'll be noticed? What matters is not how much we're doing. What matters is who we're doing it for. If you're doing stuff for God, then don't look for praise and encouragement from people. Don't even look for praise from yourself, Jesus says. Guard your motives. Now, I'm not saying that you should get upset if someone happens to notice that you've done something and then thanks you for it. You don't have to turn around and go, good one, gosh, five hours down the drain. Now I've lost my reward. We don't need to get upset like that. But at the same time, neither do we need to get upset if no one notices us. I've been playing music every week and no one said thank you. I've been leading community groups. I've been doing morning tea. We're not doing these things to be thanked by people, are we? We're doing them because God is our Father. The good news for the hypocrite is that they get what they want. They receive their reward from the people they're trying to impress. The bad news is they might impress others, but they don't impress God. The praise that they get, that's their only reward. If, if we're doing things to impress people, then we need to make sure we make the most of the praise that we get. Lap it up, because that's all there is. If we want to please God, do we want to do that? If we, if we want to be people who please God, we, we really need to be clear in our thinking. Are you a son or a daughter of God? If your answer is no then to be clear in your thinking, you need to know it's actually impossible for you to please God. Until we recognise that it's all about God, until we submit to Him by entrusting ourselves to Jesus, we can't know God as Father and we can't please Him. But if your answer is yes, you are a son or daughter of God because of Jesus, because of what He's done for you, then express that relationship. Don't live to please other people. I mean, isn't it liberating that we don't have to care what they think of us? We live to please God. And Jesus says, use secrecy as a tool to guard your sincerity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to see clearly in our minds always just how amazing it is that we can call you our Father. What a privilege it is to be your children. Not because of our own righteousness, but because of Jesus' righteousness, his death in our place. Lord, help us to so value this relationship that we would express it. And Lord, that we would express our relationship with you with sincerity. 
Lord, help us not to try to impress each other. Help us to live for your glory, to be motivated by love for you, and to be motivated by the fact that you're watching and you long to reward us. Lord, help us to express our own righteousness because you have created this perfect relationship with you as our Father, which we can enjoy for all eternity. Lord, help us when we give, help us when we pray and when we fast and in all activities, Lord. Help us to be able to see how we're subtly looking for praise and instead to find our reward in knowing you, our identity in the fact that we are your children and you are our Father. We thank you so much that this is all possible because Jesus died for us and rose again that we might be able to call on you as our Heavenly Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.